Amen. Good morning. Let's try that again. Good morning. Then, wow, that was a big turnaround. <laughs> well, good morning. Good to see you. Good to see all of you here. Good morning. Good to see those that are online this morning. We're glad you're here today. We're excited for what God's going to do. I can't think of a more appropriate song than singing about the goodness of God. Hasn't God been so good? Amen. He is so good. Let's give him a hand again. Amen. He's been so good. It's been so good. It's been good to see last week we baptized four people. And this week we're going to be baptizing another four, three in this service and one in the next. God is just doing some neat things. And we're excited for today. Today is Palm Sunday. For those that don't know, it's the kickoff to Holy Week where Jesus enters into Jerusalem on a donkey and he's greeted with loud cheers. And of course, we know later in the week those cheers turn into jeers. And we've been in a series that goes along with that called All About Jesus. And we've been looking at different encounters that Jesus has with people, how he changes their life or different things that he says or different takeaways um, that he has with them. And as I mentioned, we're looking at the triumphal entry today. And let's just jump right into it today as we read this passage of scripture. Here's what it says. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead and he said, go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you're doing, just say the Lord needs them and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humbly riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him, and they threw their garments over him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments where? On the road. Yeah, spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches, Palm Sunday, palm branches. Notice I have on green today, Palm Sunday. Actually, it was clean, okay? I'm not going to lie. It wasn't because of Palm Sunday. <laughs> Garments on the road ahead of him and others cut branches from the trees and they spread them on the road. So there is a pomp and circumstance going on. We're in prom season right now, right? All the different schools are having prom. It's a big to-do. Everybody's taking pictures. Everybody's looking to see. And we've got a pomp and circumstance going on. And Jesus, it says, is in the center of the procession. And the people around him were not just talking, but what? Shouting. They were shouting. Let's read it. Praise God for the son of David. Okay, he's yelling it, he's yelling it, she's yelling it, she's yelling it. Why not? I'll yell it too. Praise God, son of David. Blessings on the one who came, comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in what? They were in an uproar as he entered. Okay, you got this? This is, this is like... Like I said, it's a big deal going on here. Everybody's in uproar. And somebody says, who is this? They, they ask. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus. Let's finish it. The prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. There's a lot that we're going to unpack here. And there's also some, some things that they assume that really aren't what's going to take place that changes their cheers to jeers later in the week. But what we see is we see Jesus coming in on this colt donkey, the disciples surrounding him, a bunch of people that are cheering him 
as he's entering the city, in, in, entering the city. And it got me to thinking about that because um, we were created to give God praise. Amen. We were created to give God praise. In fact, let's say that together. We were created to give God praise. He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be praised. Adam was just talking. He shared just a second ago about a, a person and an actor who had an expectation. And the reality wasn't meeting the expectation, which makes me think, what do we do when our expectations don't meet reality? Do we continue to give God praise? We were created to give God praise. Listen to what David writes. He says, praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise, let's read this one. Praise his un, unequaled greatness. Praise him with the blast of the ram's horn. Praise him with the lyra and the harp. Praise him with a tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud clanging cymbals. Let's read this together. Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Amen. We were created to give God praise. So my question simply before we move on is, are you praising him? Are you praising him in the good times? You know, I hear people say sometimes, well, I'm not a words person, you know. And sometimes I forget to tell my kids or my, my spouse or my, my boss or my employees or whoever, I forget to tell them I appreciate them. And sometimes we have to intentionally praise because it doesn't necessarily come natural. And sometimes we're called to praise when we don't even feel like praising, amen? See, praise is not a feeling, it's a choice. Praise is not a feeling, it's a choice, it's a decision. The same way staying married is not a feeling, it's a choice, amen? It's a decision that we make. We were created to give God praise. We, we were also created to give God praise, let's read this, even when... We're called to give God praise even when we're, we aren't getting our way, our way. We remember this passage of scripture that we just read. Most of the crowd, say that with me. Pretty much everybody. Well, not everybody, but pretty much. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him. Now, some of you are in awe of people that do things. Some of you are in awe of, of, a, of a famous golfer or a famous singer or a famous movie person or a sports person or you're in awe of, of your spouse or your you know somebody you know that you admire them for their humility I mean all kinds of different things that we admire people for as a kid growing up I really admired George Brett he was a baseball player man I would have given anything for him when I was at a Royals game to sign my baseball and if it would have been cold outside and I had a coat on even though I admired him, I wouldn't lay my coat down for him to walk on top of it. <laughs> Even though I admired him. And think about somebody you admire. That'd be kind of weird, don't you think? They walk in where you're at and you just put your coat on the ground and go, go ahead. Walk all over it. 
I mean, it says that most of the crowd, they're in a really good mood. They're spreading their coats, their garments on the road. Okay, I don't know about you, but when you put a coat on the ground, I mean, I hear my wife sometimes say, Luke, don't drag your coat. You know, he brings his coat into Walmart, he takes it off, and instead of carrying it, he's dragging it on the ground. You're like, don't, don't put, I mean, they put it on the ground and Christ walks on it. Spread the garments on the road as, the, as they pass by. They cut branches from the trees and they spread them on the road. I mean, the pomp and circumstance, the, the happiness here, the, the acknowledgement of who God is. So it's weird how at the beginning of the week we're seeing this scene, right? Because they believed that Jesus was coming to be a savior. But the issue for them was they were thinking more of a savior from Rome than they were so much a savior from sin. And when they begin to realize this, their attitude and posture changed. Now, don't get me wrong. They were still yelling, but it wasn't cheering, right? It was started to be jeering. And Jesus is in the center of the procession. They're shouting, praise God for the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. And just a little bit later, later on in that week, when they find out that he's not coming to be the Savior from Rome, he's not doing what I thought he was going to do. My expectations are not being met. I had this idea in my mind. You know why a lot of times things go the wrong way? It's because we have these expectations, don't we? Your, your spouse gives you a card, but you were expecting a gift. Not talking from personal experience. You get all dressed up and you're expecting your spouse to say that you look nice and they don't notice and now you're mad at them all evening. I'm not talking from personal experience. You worked hard all year and you were expecting a raise and you didn't get one and now you don't even want to work there anymore. You were taking a stand for Jesus to get better acting roles and now you're not getting any like Adam talked about. And now all of a sudden, it goes from Hosanna to glory in the Son of David to listen to this. Pilate saying, what should I do with Jesus? Who's called the Messiah? The crowd shouts back, what? All because of expectations. Jesus came as a Savior. They were expecting a Savior. Okay, I think we got a match here. The difference is what he came to save them from. I didn't come to save you from Rome. I came to, came to save you from sin. Which really leads to a question that we all have to ask ourselves, I mean, myself included, are we following Jesus because of what he can do for us? Or are we following him because we love him and want to serve him? That's pretty good. I'll read that one again. Are we following Jesus because of what he can do for us? Or are we following him because we love him and we want to serve him? And that's a tough question, but it's a good question. As we think about that this morning, there's a few other things that we can look at today. You know, you think of this crowd, the, the crowd goes from a crowd to a mob pretty quickly. Don't let the crowd do your thinking for you. They are capable of becoming a mob. That's another thought. Remember what we said earlier? 
Hosanna, the son of David, Hosanna, the son of David. Well, I guess there's nothing else going on. I'll say the same thing. Hosanna, son of David. And when, if you're just following the crowd, when the crowd changes its mind, you find yourself changing your mind. We didn't read this passage of scripture, but as it gets closer to Good Friday and the crucifixion, we know that just from earlier on that the religious people are pretty frustrated at Jesus because he's getting a lot of notoriety and he's, say, he's saying things that people are listening to and he's having results. But it goes against what they believe. And they start conspiring and they start manipulating and scripture says that meanwhile, the leading priests and the elders started persuading the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. It starts with just persuading. How does the crowd become a mob? Persuasion. And when we don't worship Jesus because we love him, we're just kind of going along with other people. When the mood shifts and our expectations aren't met, we'll find ourselves saying things we never thought we would say. What crime has he committed? But the what? Now, wait a minute. Just a minute ago, let's look at it. The word crowd is used. We see that, right? And then here, the word what is used? It goes from crowd to mob. Well, how? Persuasion. There's a transformation. And can I just tell you today, when we stand before God, you can't just be like, listen, uh, the reason I threw the rock through the window of the high school on Saturday was because everybody else was doing it. And I was like, well, I mean. And let me just tell you, we all know this as we're following Jesus. Sometimes life can get very difficult. And we don't even always understand why things happen the way that they happen. And if we start listening more to someone else other than God, we can begin to take on their thinking. And the truth is, emotional decisions always lead to poor decisions. Amen? Emotional decisions, that was worth coming to church for, for some of you. Emotional decisions always lead to poor decisions. We get all up in our feels. Is that the word now? When I was, you know, I'm, we're, we're into our feelings or whatever. Now we say up in our feels. We get all up in our feels about something and we end up making a poor decision. Don't let the crowd do your thinking for you. They are capable of becoming a mob. See, we're called to follow Jesus in faith rather than the mob with our feelings. What started out as pomp and circumstance was pretty lonely there towards the end. Listen to this. In James it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask who? Does it say the crowd or the mob or your friend who's emotional and agrees with you? 
you have every right. No, it doesn't say that. It says, let him or her ask who? Ask God. Who gives how? Who gives generously to all without? And here's the promise. Let's read it. And it will be. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. Another thing we can see from this passage, worshiping Jesus is something we do regardless of the season. Whether it's Palm Sunday or Good Friday or Maundy Thursday or Easter or somewhere in between. In fact, there's so many of us in here. Right now in this room, we have people in here that you are thankful God is blessing you. He's come through for you. He's provided for you in some way, shape, or form. He has done something or is doing something that you acknowledge and you say, praise Jesus. And I, I, we celebrate with you. We also know, just because there's so many in here, there's some of you in here that it's hard to find those things to praise God about because it's not that season for you. It's more of a Good Friday thing or maybe a Maundy Thursday where Jesus starts to tell his disciples, hey, this is really going to happen. And you know, in either case, whether things are going well or whether things aren't going well, God is worthy and deserves to be praised. Listen to this. David writes, I will praise the Lord at what? I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak of his... I will boast only in, I don't think it says strategy or plan. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take, take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's. Let us exalt his, his name together. So the question this morning is simply, as the band comes, are we following Jesus because of what he can do for us? Or are we following him because we love him and we want to serve him? Pretty straightforward message today. Pretty straightforward passage. If you've, grown up, if you've been around the church very long, you've heard 100, maybe 200, maybe 300 Palm Sunday messages. It's a pretty straightforward story. They came, Jesus came in. They're all shouting Hosanna because they're expecting Jesus to save them from Rome, and he came to save them from their sin. And what they were expecting and what the reality was were two different things, and yet he is still worthy to be praised. And yet for many, it went from Hosanna to crucify him. And as we read that, we get sad or we think, man, how could they do that? We can do the same thing. And so this morning, in faith, believing that the Holy Spirit is big enough to customize this to your situation today, how's he speaking to you this morning? What is it that he wants to say to you through this simple truth today? Are you following him because he's blessing you and everything in your life is going at least okay? Or are you following him because you love him and you want to serve him?
Can I just tell you, I've done a few weddings, and there's this line in there, in most of them, sometimes you'll hear somebody having some unusual vows, but in the ones I've done, for better or for worse, right? For better or for worse? For richer or for poorer? In sickness and in health? That's a pretty, those are powerful statements that we say to our spouse. Could easily apply that to our relationship with God. I'll follow you for better or for worse. For richer or poorer. In sickness and in health. Let's stand together this morning.